What are you girls doing up here on this trail? This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. You're going to find out all the aspects of hiking in our beautiful Pacific Northwest woods. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never met anyone quite as beautiful as you. Check us out over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. That's right, CascadeHikerPodcast.com. That's where we're going to find all the show notes and links right there. Enigmatic like that of the cosmos. Never held your hand. I want to thank Whiskey Fever for letting me use that awesome track there. That was Tall Grass off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Whole Town. Find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. They're from Cedro Woolley. Go check them out. I'm your host, Rudy Getzik. I put this podcast together to inspire you to get out on the trail. Are you putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you sitting on the couch? Have you even gone on a backpacking trip yet? I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. So without further ado, here is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? My name is the Princess of Darkness, and I now say that I'm from Colorado. Oh, okay. What did you say before? Michigan. That's where I'm from originally, but... I've been in Colorado for so long now that I call it home. Okay. Well, obviously, um, for those that don't know, you are um, one of three, four, five people that uh, run the trail <laughs> show. That's correct. Yeah, it's kind of a rotating chair these days. And uh, keep your eyes, your ears open because we, we may just have a new chair coming on in the near future. But no, no, I can't give you any more information than that. Right on. Okay. Well, cool. Uh, so you, I, I just kind of want to, full disclosure, we actually met in person, and that was awesome. Yes, that was great at PCT Days. PCT Days at the All the West booth. Why don't we talk a little bit about All the West? What, what okay. do you got? What do you got to say about it? Um, well, it's been great to be on the board. I was marginally involved before. Um, let's see. When I first started attending All the West events, they were quite boring and I didn't enjoy them. And I have to say that ever since, uh, Whitney Allgood LaRufa took the reins of that organization, he has completely reinvented, reinvented it. He has revitalized it. He has gotten a dynamic board, uh, since before me that, that turned the organization around and made it not only vibrant, but also made it relevant. So instead of just giving out the triple crown awards and that being the only thing once a year. Now they're doing a lot of outreach and education, trying to help newer members of the out distance, uh, community to get involved and teaching people how to lighten their pack and do safe water crossings and options for switching out gear and how to stay safe in lightning. And a lot of really great things that I think fills the void for, organizations out there. There's a lot of trail specific organizations, but because Alda doesn't, uh, attach itself to any one trail, they have the freedom to kind of focus more on the community at large of outdoor slash long distance hikers and those who support them. And I would like to say just real quickly, this has come up several times in the last year, I would say where people have the idea that in order to be a member of Alda West, you have to be a long distance hiker, and that is not the case. 
You can be someone who is related to a long distance hiker, someone who's interested in long distance hiking, or someone who just likes to be outside and wants to be a member of Alda West to hear about all the community events and the community conversations that are going on. So you don't have to be a long distance hiker to join Alda West, just FYI. Yeah, well, I'm a perfect example of that. I mean, I, I would love to be a long distance hiker, but I'm a lowly uh, section hiker, but I fit right in. I tell you, it's fun. I, I, I shouldn't say that I fit right in, but I, I think I do because people yeah. are just, they're, they're cool folks. I mean, it's just, it's so yeah. fun to hang out. Yeah, it's great. Um, so let's move on. And I, I've got, I've, uh, the, all week I've been so excited to talk to you. And one of the things I wanted to say is that people that are maybe that, that do listen to the trail show and they haven't gone back and listened to those, uh, lovely first, uh, four or five episodes, um, (laughs) that you guys always seem to refer to. Um, can you just briefly tell the story because every episode starts out with, uh, you saying, uh, what are you old girls doing out here? And can you, uh, can you run that story through? Yeah. So that happened when I was on the Colorado trail in 2003 with my dog Gimpy and my friend Trainwreck. She and I did the Colorado trail in 2003 and we were, uh, I don't remember where we were. We were north of, of highway 50 somewhere. And it was an area of uh, intermittent shared use. So some places it was open to motorized vehicles and some place it, some places it was not. And we happened to be on a section where it was not open to motorized vehicles and we were hiking down a ridge and on a trail and these five or six guys on, uh, what do we call it? Motorbikes, older guys. I mean, they seemed older at the time. They were probably how old I am now, but anyway, <laughs> They uh, rode up and stopped and got off their bikes, and they, I guess, were surprised that there were women out backpacking, and they said, what are you girls doing up here on this trail? And we <laughs> said, we're, we're hiking on this non-motorized use trail. What are you guys doing up here? And then we, you know, just exchanged some words, I mean, just friendly words, and I tried my best to insult them with a smile several times, which I think I succeeded at. And then uh, we went on our way. So that that's kind of where that, that little line comes from. Right on. Well, it, it is. Uh, I, I love you guys' intro, and, and that's kind of honestly one of my favorite parts. So I wanted to ask well, that. My new thing is that whenever somebody says that to me, which doesn't happen in this in this state normally, but if I'm in that situation again where someone says, what are you doing out here? Which happens sometimes when Disco and I are hiking together and people make the assumption that he's dragging me out there. <laughs> So when someone makes that comment to me again, what are you doing out here? My response is going to be, I'm menstruating. <laughs> See how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, uh, well, let's talk about your name. So also one of the things you guys are always just saying, P.O.D., P.O.D., P.O.D. So some people might not know that it's Princess of Darkness. Uh, can you yes. kind of go through how you got that name? Um. Well, the short story is that I'm evil and I do like to play tricks on people and mess with people quite a bit. But the longer version of that story is that I was hiking around a group of people on the Appalachian Trail. I did the Appalachian Trail by myself, but you know how it goes. You kind of bunch up with this group and then you bunch up with another group. And the group that I had been hiking around, we were having a great time. We were definitely having a lot of laughs. And I was being myself and being a prankster and just 
you know, messing with people, their minds all the time. And one morning I woke up and it was raining and I was ready. And I said, I'm leaving. I'm not going to wait for anybody because it was cold and raining. It was somewhere, you know, in Georgia or something. And I left and it just kind of drizzled all morning. And then eventually the group of people that I had camped with at that shelter they caught up to me and then passed me, which usually happened every day. And then they went to like the next shelter for lunch. And when I got there, they all stared at me with a strange expression. And I was like, what's up? And they said, you know, it was raining this morning in camp and you left and the sun came out. And when we caught up to you, it was raining. And after we passed you, the sun came out. And now that you're here again, it's raining. <laughs> So they said, they said, I think it's because you're so evil that the rain is following you. And then subsequently gave me the trail name, the princess of darkness, which I love yeah. so much. Yeah. You wear it with pride. I like it. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, you kind of talked about the AT there. Um, so talk about some of the long distance trails you've hiked. Um, I believe you're a triple crowner. I am a triple crowner. And let's see. So, yeah, I did the Appalachian Trail in 2002, and I did the Colorado Trail in 2003. And then um, Disco and I met in 2005, and we hiked the Continental Divide Trail together in 2006. And then the Pacific Crest Trail in 2008. Then I took a long hiatus. I was getting my master's degree, doing other things, and I did the... Wind River High Route in 2016, I think, and then did the, uh, sorry, the Sierra High Route and the Wind River High Route the same summer. Then Disco and I went and did um, the New Zealand Trail, uh, which I do not recommend, <laughs> and then came back here to Colorado in 20, I guess that was, I don't know, I'm getting my years confused, but who cares, um, and then uh I did. I haven't really done any long distance hikes since I've been here. I did uh, 200 miles on the Idaho Centennial Trail this summer with uh, Naomi, the Punisher, and yeah, just been doing you know shorter stuff, I guess. Yeah. Well, do you think based on that timing, do you think uh, the, the the trail show kind of uh, inspired you to get back out there? You know, I'm glad that you asked that question. I would say that I was totally distant from the long distance hiking community after we moved to Denver because I was very busy getting my master's and teaching at the same time. And that had to, that had to be my priority at the time. And I really got out of, well, out of shape, first of all. And Denver's far from the mountains. I know it doesn't seem far if you don't, if you're not from Colorado, but Really, if you want to get back where there's not millions of people, it, it's kind of far away. And um, so I just I just kind of let that part of myself go to sleep, I like to say. And I will say that when we started the trail show, hearing about all these other trails that I hadn't hiked and meeting people who were doing all kinds of cool things, it did inspire me to try to get back out there, you know, and and it did. I, I'm, I got back out there and, and it was through the trail show that I met all good and snorkel. And those are the people I hiked the Sierra high route with. So it, it, it was really great. It really did expose me to a lot of, and there's a lot of stuff people we interview. I'm never going to hike those hikes. 
you know, some of the stuff that Dermonger does and Swami, and we're going to be interviewing Kristen Gates uh, about some of her adventures. I mean, I definitely feel like those things are way out of my wheelhouse, out of my skill set. But it's inspiring just to talk to those people and hear about what they're doing. It definitely raises the bar for yourself or the ceiling and makes you feel like, well, what else could I be doing? So the trail show, I definitely credit the trail show for getting me back in with the hiking community. I like that. That's cool. And I I really like what you said there because I think there's a lot of people, I mean, I know, I know there's a lot of people that look up to you in the hiking world and I know you might not want to hear that or whatever because you seem a little humble, but, uh, but what I want to say is that it's good to hear that you have people that you look up to. Oh, totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, Snorkel is one of them, you know, Snorkel's uh, a total badass and has done lots of stuff and it's fun. You know, she's not trying to be a badass. She's just doing what she loves. And Kristen Gates is another one, man. If you don't follow Kristen Gates on Instagram, I think her um, Instagram handle is miles for breakfast. Prepare to be inspired because the stuff she does is pretty incredible. But, um, yeah, it's definitely been great to to meet some role models. And, you know, Snorkel and Kristen are both younger than I am, but I still see them as role models. That's good, yeah. Well, can we talk a little bit about um, some of your stuff that you've kind of done away from the trail show uh, recently? Um, you did kind of a couple of your own episodes um, of the Red Tent series. And I know that we talked when we talked in person, you were also talking about that uh, you and I can't remember who else was going to be talking at uh, the All the West Gathering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Kristen Gates that I was talking about. Um, yeah, so at some point we talked about, I talked about with some other women about um, doing the Red Tent show. And the Red Tent is a nod to this book called The Red Tent. And if you haven't read it, I would encourage you to read it. It's a, it's It's based on the stories from the Bible. And the the red tent is historic in the sense that then there are communities of people historically and still to this day where menstruation is considered this kind of sacred and secretive thing. And all the women historically would be on the same cycle because they slept only in tents or outside. And so if you do that and you don't take any type of birth control, your cycle will eventually align to the moon cycle. And so all the women menstruated at the same time and they had these tents where they would go to menstruate for five days or whatever. And there's a lot of really cool stuff associated with that. Uh, so we talked about doing an all women show and and I said, we should call it the red tent show. That'd be kind of funny. And so we talk about issues that are specific to women. However, I will say that I think the majority of people that probably need to listen to the red tent show are men. And this this issue has been raised quite a bit in the last year about uh, lack of diversity on the trail. And if you look at a cross-section of long-distance hikers, the majority are white males and in a specific age range as well. And while there's nothing wrong with that, um, I think if you're an average white male, or even if you think you're above average, uh, <laughs> I think that there's a lot of experiences that you don't even know could exist. There's a lot of questions that you've never had to ask. And I'm not saying that like, shame on you, you're a white male. I'm saying it as, look, there's this whole other experience out there that that you've never had to think about. And it's not your fault that you've never had to think about it. But considering these things will actually make you a better person. 
So I, while the, while the red tent show was recorded by women, it's all women guests. And we talk about women's issues. I think that the people that could, could benefit from the most from the red tent shows are actually men. Yeah. Well, and, and I'd like to kind of inject there that, uh, interject that, um, I have two daughters and for me, I'm interested in a lot of that, um, women's only side of hiking mainly because I want to make sure also that they get that too. Right. Yeah, for sure. And there's, you know, anytime you try to do something that goes against the grain of society and long distance hiking is one of those things, no matter what your gender or, you know, race, there are some barriers, right? But when you start piling on different levels of of obstacles, then it becomes harder and harder. And so um, that's just something to consider that while you may face some obstacles to, for long distance hiking or being in the outdoor community, there may be other people that, that face even more obstacles. So if you come from poverty, that's uh, a little bit harder to save money. If you're a woman, there's some um, safety factors to consider. And and also the the feeling of like, are people going to respect me? Are people going to hit on me? Am I going to have to deal with that? Um, and then there's race and, you know, gender identity, all those things, you start piling those on and there's just different levels of adversity. And, and, and like I said, it's nobody's fault. You're born how you're born. And, but I do think it's interesting to consider what other people might be having to think about, because I think it makes us all a better person when we consider the experiences of others. Yeah. And that's a, it's a tough subject too, because there are so many hikers that like you described, um, the white male certain age bracket so because there's so many hikers that fit that description i think there's a lot of people well like disco and me and uh bird shooter uh is another guy that does a podcast and ratatouille had a podcast and you know we can't really discuss that right right well i think you can I, i think you can say like i think you can have those conversations and and just because you're not part of a minority group, I think you can still have conversations about, you know, what does it mean for this person? And well, I don't know, I asked my friend, and this is what they said. And and conversations really are the most important thing. And, you know, you brought up disco, it's interesting, because when we did the red tent show, especially the second one, after he he wasn't there, we recorded it ourselves, he there were no men in the room. And he told me he said, you know, there's a lot of things that I've never ever thought about that came up in that show that I've never, ever had to think about. And it really opened up my eyes to like what other people might be going through and you can't change that, but hopefully it provides you with a little bit more respect for, you know, what other people might be going through. And let me give you an example. You know, women in the through hiking world, we're always facing this obstacle of being seen as equals. And so, you know, there, there are guys who are, wanting to hook up or whatever on the trail and they make, you know, sexualized statements about other female hikers with other men and everybody kind of laughs it off. But that's an instance where if you're in that situation and somebody makes a comment that diminishes someone to their gender or their, you know, reproductive identity and you don't say anything, then you're actually encouraging that behavior. And I think that's something that, that that especially guys don't think about. They're like, well, I don't say those things, so you know, I'm I'm not doing that. But if we don't call each other out, um, 
then nothing ever changes, right? If we don't say like, hey man, you know, that's not cool. Like she's just one of us. And you know, you could say something nicer about how smart she is or what a great hiker she is or whatever. But, um, and I don't know, it's a fine line, right? I mean, you don't have to always be the police and be super uber sensitive and on alert, but we all know those people who are just kind of jerks who are diminishing everyone to whatever is interesting to them. And I think it's important to call those folks out and just let them know that you're not comfortable with that, you know? Well, especially if somebody could be, uh, you know, like you said, women might be scared of possible sexual things on the trail and they might be scared of that. So then if somebody jokes about it, then it's like, well, yeah, I am scared of that, you know? And, and, and beyond being scared, just like the respect level. Right. You know, like, yeah, I'm your equal. So, you know, let's just leave it at that. And if there's chemistry between some people and that works out, that's great. But, um, I definitely think that talking about each other, you know, in, in this way of just kind of reducing people to minimal terms is definitely not helpful in the hiker community. And it's a, it's a small percentage of people that do that, you know, really. So yeah, it's good to put it out there. And, uh, so I, I recommend people to check that out. I actually haven't checked it out myself. I, I need to, uh, up myself on those. So. Um, and that's just, uh, is that in your bonus shows on your website? Yeah, then? it's in the bonus shows and it's really great, especially if you have daughters. Um, I think in the second bonus show, I really went through in detail the mechanics of peeing standing up. So, uh, that's a big deal. It's great. If you can learn how to pee standing up and you're a woman, it's so great. It's, I mean, not just for trail, but like I do it all the time in public now and nobody knows what I'm doing. So it's really helpful. And where can we find the video for that? There is no video, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, but uh, I, I think it'd be fun to actually shoot kind of a side video, not like porn style video, but like a video where you could just see the side and then see how far the arc is going, you know? So that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. Now we're joking as equals. Okay. Um, right. Anyway. Um, so yeah. So check those out. It's really easy to find. I'm on the website right now. I'm looking at it. It's right there. Trail show bonus shows. Hey. I've got a way to support the show today. That is uh, just clicking a few things on my website. So if you go to the show notes of the episode, uh, check out mytrailcompany.com. Uh, if you like Golight, then this is the original owner of Golight. It took it all back, has uh, original products and stuff. And uh, you just click through my link there, and I get a little credit for that. Also, REI, if you shop REI online, then uh, you know go to, to my uh, show notes click through the rei.com logo and it's the same website you're just giving me a little bit of kickback and the same with amazon if you shop amazon at all and you want to support the show pretty easy just uh just click through my website and you're going to get the same exact amazon it's just going to give me a little kickback as well one of the best ways to support the show of course is patreon.com slash cascade hiker podcast and that's uh that's joining me that's my little spot there and you know, you pledge a dollar or five dollars a month, that all goes right back to the show. So you're supporting the show, you're supporting me, and I appreciate you as a listener. Now back to the episode. What's it like being uh, living in the same house with a um, published author? Author. <laughs> well, Disco is very humble about his work. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't like to bring it up that I'm the one that always brings it up with people. Did you know that my husband is a published author? Actually, I'm a published author too, I should have you know. 
If you go back to 1998 and look at the journals of automotive coatings and paint, you'll find a riveting article about clear coat paintings in, I think it's the August issue of, two th- of 1998. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, that was back in the day when I was studying engineering. Um, that's great. I mean, I'm really proud of him. Disco's done a lot of really cool stuff. I mean, he made a documentary about the CDT back in 06. And prior to making that documentary, he had never owned really a decent camera, let alone back then you had a separate video camera. You didn't have it on your phone. Um, and then he, he thought, you know, that there's a lot of mystery around the CDT and I'm going to shoot some film and make a documentary. And he did it. He shot all this film. He wasn't able to review it while we were hiking. We came back to Crested Butte and he spent a winter watching all the video and talking to Squatch a lot and getting some tips and then making that movie. And then he had this book kicking around in his head for years. And, you know, he just decided one fall that he was going to do it. So he sat down and he wrote it in like a month. And then the, the, the process of editing and revising takes a really long time. But um, I'm really proud of him. I, I feel like he's very, very creative. And the trail show is his creation as well. Um, he had, he's had that idea for a long time and finally was able to put it together and, you know, he's really creative in that way. That's cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Well, I, uh, hope one day to ask him, uh, <laughs> of how it is living with, uh, with you as a published author then too. Oh yes, I'm sure he probably doesn't, he probably doesn't even know that I'm a published author. He probably doesn't remember, but I'm <laughs> sure he'll have some things to say about living with me. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> uh, well, let's talk about uh, a little bit about um, Mike DiLorenzo then. How did you guys meet him? We met him when we were hiking the CDT. We were hitchhiking into Steamboat with Gimpy, and he pulled over, and we're like, look at this car. It has a an AT sticker and a PC ticker, C, PCT sticker and a CDT sticker, and it was DiLo. And he was like, hey, are you guys hiking the CDT? And we're like, yeah, I'm DiLo. And we, um, we got in his car. He drove us to Steamboat. We hung out with him for like an hour. And then, and then I don't know when we saw him again. I don't really remember. He, that was when we were living in Crested Butte and he definitely came out to Crested Butte several times while we were living there. So I'm not exactly sure how, when we saw each other again after that, but obviously we stayed in touch. So yeah. Hmm. That's I cool. don't remember. <laughs> yeah. You guys is, uh, you guys is on air, uh, is so funny. And, 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 uh, I just want to say too, kind of going back to what we're talking about, like kind of the female side of hiking. And I love how, when you guys talk about like your peeing standing up and, uh, that's why it was easy for me to make a joke about it because I know that you guys joke about that kind of stuff all the time. Okay. So the sure. way that you guys deliver, um, kind of your, your banter back and forth is serious, but, but you guys throw some jokes in there. Oh, for sure. And, and Dilo is solid gold, man. I mean, I feel like he, he is the, the, the secret ingredient of the trail show. You know, he's, he's so funny. And when we're recording with him, like we have, I've had listeners tell me like, they don't know when he's joking or not. And we're like, we don't know either. I mean, sometimes it's obvious, but sometimes we're like, I don't know if he's joking or not, you know? And, um, yeah, he's such a great personality to have on the show. He really, you know, brings the party so to speak, which is great. And he and I, I feel like he and I kind of have this like, you know, sibling bickering relationship that I really enjoy. So that's fun too. 
Yeah, it's good. It was funny when we were sitting there at the the booth at All the West at PCT Days, and people were coming up, and you know, uh, because we're in the Northwest, I think they were kind of recognizing me a little bit, and I'm like, "Well, do you listen to any other podcasts?" Trying to get them to talk, and then, man, <laughs> I tell you, once they found out who you were, they were all eyes on you. I want, they asked you so many questions, and uh, there was the one lady, and I forget her name, but she listened to both of our shows, and. Yeah. Um, she thought a lot of that stuff was real. It's kind of funny, so she'll she'll love to hear this. Yeah, that was great. And I mean, I, I felt like I felt like I was, you know, sitting next to a rock star when I was hanging out with you there. By the way, you're a hell of a salesman. <laughs> well, really impressed with your work there at the Alda booth. Oh well, thank you. Uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I, it's just fun to to get around so many people, and um, it, even the first year when you weren't there, I actually had fun too. So. Was it more fun when I wasn't there? <laughs> no comment. It was. Fun. <laughs> I'll tell you the funny part was uh, was was talking with you and you were absolutely hungover, like a four day hangover. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> and then and then I listened to the show and I was like, oh, this is great. The, yeah. uh, what was that episode sixty two? I believe. Yeah, out yeah. of order. Yeah, he brought the Florida Cracker beer, which I like to call the White Cracker, and I love that beer. And I just, you know, just decided that well. Every now and then you just got to relearn those lessons. So I just went for it, you know? Yeah, that's good. Um, can we talk a little bit about the Sierra High Route? Um, I kind of wanted to, I don't think a lot of people, unless they listen to the trail show, because it did get the trail show bump, of course. Of course, um, there's yeah. people up. <laughs> a lot of people that don't know that trail, though. Can you talk a little bit about kind of where it starts, where it ends? and? Yeah, I will do my best. Um, actually, I don't <laughs> Actually, I don't know where it starts or where it ends. Yeah, um, well, that doesn't I matter. I can't remember the names of the, the two endpoints. I can picture them in my mind, but I can't remember what they're called. But anyway, the Sierra High Route, and, and just so everybody knows, there's a couple of different high routes that go through the Sierra. But the main one, um, if you Google the Sierra High Route, the main one will come up. Um, and you can buy maps from Andrew Skirka. And the first route was proposed by a gentleman whose name escapes me right now, but back in the 70s. And uh, his guidebook is essential for that trail. And I think it's about 220 miles, which doesn't sound that long. But when we started, we went southbound and most people go northbound because the the guidebook is written uh, in a northbound format. When we started, it was uh, All Good Snorkel, Tomato, and Bobcat and I. And I think our first day we hiked from about 7 a.m. until about 8 p.m. And I think we did about 14 miles. Um, so, you know, it's a little slow going. And it's just you stay up mostly above the PCT. So you're doing the high passes, uh, mostly off trail, a lot of talus, a lot of hand over foot. We ended up doing some probably class three climbing a couple times because we deviated from the route and, you know, did some other other routes. Um, but the Sierra High Route is a route. It's a proposed route. And the cool thing is that you can do your own thing. You know, if you decide you want to extend it or do something over here or over there, you can, um, you know, make it your own thing. But you do need to have some knowledge of the area there because there's 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 a lot of passes that you really can't just be like oh i think we'll, we'll just go up here instead uh because 
a lot of passes don't go, meaning they're cliffs, they're total cliffs. And you have to know what you're doing, basically. Either you stay on the route that's proposed or you... uh, you, you have to have some knowledge of the Sierra. The the guy who originally proposed it, proposed it, his name is Steve Roper, and he has a guidebook, and he also has some books about the Sierra. He has the most in-depth books about the Sierra that give you information about the different passes. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It took us, like, a couple weeks, I think, to do it, and we had some days off. We had a, a freak snowstorm in the middle of July, and we had to bail down uh, for a couple of days. But it's it's really beautiful. It definitely changed my opinion of the Sierras. I used to be not a fan of the Sierras. Uh, I know that's sacrilege, but it's just, when I went through on the PCT, everything was snowbound, and so it was just so much work to go through there, and I, I, I don't think I was able to appreciate the beauty as much. And then the Sierra High Route stays so high that it's really a completely different experience. And it was great. It's really, really great. I did almost die on the first day because... Um, <laughs> One of one of uh, my hiking partners pushed a rock down. I had about two seconds to react. And if I hadn't moved, I probably really actually would have died because it would have hit me in the head. And it was big. It wasn't on purpose. We were down climbing and, you know, he put his foot on something that he thought was stable and it moved. So that happens. Um, you have to be really careful. But it was a great route. It was a good time and definitely super challenging. Slow going, lots of talus. But I definitely felt pretty strong when I finished. Nice. Yeah. I like the way you described it in your guys' episode. Uh, gosh, I should have been looking it up when you were talking, but uh, your ep- episode on that was uh, really fun to listen to. Yeah. And we met a guy, we were at uh, rainbow lodge or I don't know what it's called. Some resort rainbow resort off of Bishop pass. That was where one of our resupply boxes was. And the guy who gave us a ride up to the trailhead the next day to get, get going again, he, had done this same proposed route in like 1979 or something with all of that gear and all of those maps, which don't have the detail of today, you know, and it was really impressive. He was super humble, super awesome guy, but to meet someone who had done the same thing so many years before when things were so different, it was really quite impressive. It's pretty cool. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That, that is so neat to see that where, um, just meeting people like that, that, that even just hiked back then, it's like, it's yeah. a whole other world. I know it's crazy. Especially doing something like that, like the high route. Uh, yeah. I just wanted to point out real quick. So on the trail show website, uh, the about us, uh, little kind of thing there, you can get, you can go right in there and there's, uh, some of our favorite websites. Um, there is one called pod's trail journals and let me tell you there's some good stuff in here um i'm looking at a picture that i'm hoping i could steal off of here and use for the episode but um you said it's the uh the biggest cdt marker ever and it's such a beautiful picture of you oh i think that's right at um oh actually that's up in montana i think in the bob marshall maybe well, there's some great photos. If you ever want to know anything about POD, you go right here and check it out. <laughs> oh, God, yes. I should go through those. That's so long ago. It'd be kind of fun to reread. Yeah, and the, and your guys' uh, the, the picture that you have as like kind of a, hey, this is me picture. I, I'm, I'm assuming it's you and Disco. It's hard to tell with your sunglasses on, but it is the most low-budget picture I've ever seen. 
I love, <laughs> I love it. Kind of our style, right? <laughs> yeah. What I, that that is a question I would have for you then, because um, you do have some really good pictures from the trail back in the 08, 03 era. And what were you using for a camera back then? Well, on the AT, I think I had a and the the um, Colorado Trail, I had a uh, some sort of point and shoot, maybe an elf or something like that. And then on the CDT, I don't think I took a camera because Disco had a camera and his video camera. He was kind of doing all of that stuff. And on the PCT, I don't think I took a camera on the PCT either. I think Disco had one on that. He's kind of our camera. He's the one that takes pictures in the uh, in, in the couple. Yeah. I'm really glad about that. I think I took two pictures on the Sierra High Route. So. <laughs> You're used to not taking them. Well, and, and nowadays people just assume, oh, well – Camera phone, camera phone, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I am going to take a picture, that's what I do. Disco does have a nice camera, and he has the same camera that this guy Flamenco had that we met on the CDT a couple years ago, and I don't know what it is. I don't really use it hardly ever, so. Yeah, I mean, it's not that big a deal. I was just kind of curious because, uh, you know, it's like you say, it's a different era. <laughs> yeah, for It's sure. not, not even that long ago, but now that everybody has a phone, uh, a camera on their phone, you know, most people yeah. don't really carry them, so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so less gear, more beer. Um, yeah. That's your guys' tagline. I would think there's a lot of people who would like to know just a couple of quick questions about that, though. Um, what what kind of pack do you carry? I have a Gossamer Gear Gorilla. Okay. And uh, what about your tent? Well, currently we have a Z-Pax Duplex, I think, although I think we're going to upgrade to a What's the three-person one called? Triplex, maybe? I don't know. Threeplex? Triplex? Um, because the duplex is barely enough room for the two of us. I mean, we, we honestly barely fit in there. We almost murdered each other in New Zealand, actually, because it got to be a little cumbersome. But um, <laughs> the triplex is the same length, but it has more floor space. So it just gives a little bit more space in between, you know, so it's not forced cuddling. You know? Yeah, no, so, yeah. That's kind of nice. That's kind of nice. That's good. Well, last question about gear. What is something that you carry that, that nobody else really would or somebody might joke with you like, why do you carry that? Well, probably I have two things. Number one is the silver umbrella. There's a lot of umbrella haters out there. Um, but I use my umbrella all the time, <laughs> more for sun than for rain. Um, and I can talk to you about why that's so important. A lot of people think a sun hat is sufficient, but the sun is still coming down on your melon, whereas the umbrella actually keeps the sun from actually hitting your head and allows breezes to go through. Very nice. Lifesaver so many times. And then in the rain, it's great. And then the other thing I carry that is a, that's a true luxury item is my tiny hand. Okay. I have a tiny hand. What's well, a tiny hand? It's a human hand, but it's tiny if it's on your finger. <laughs> okay. That's uh, that's something that's always in your pack? Yeah. I have a few of them, actually. I have them in different packs. Okay. So, I like that. If, if you look up tiny hand movement on the internet, you'll you'll see a, what a tiny hand. It doesn't, it's not a baby hand. It's like an adult hand, but it's tiny. Well, like I will. A, even tinier than Donald Trump. <laughs> nice. I can only imagine. Um, well, uh, you kind of threw me off with the tiny hand there. I'm, I'm going to have to look it's that up. Just, it's just for fun. It's just for fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. 
Well, cool. Well, what's next? Like, so you, you hear about all these trails and I, I yeah. personally have a couple in mind for you, but uh, oh, I want to know what's next. Okay. Um, I have a, I've got a list of trails. I mean, not an actual list, but in my head. And I have a few that are at the top of the list for sure. Um, I'd like to go finish the Idaho Centennial Trail, the northern section. And I had basically from the top of the Frank Church down to the desert. And so now I'd like to go hike the rest of it north to the border. I'd also like to do the Great Divide Trail and uh, the northern New Mexico route. Seems great. I'd really like to do all the desert trails, but that doesn't work for me as a teacher. So I'm just going to put those on the back burner until I retire, I guess. And I guess that's probably the top of my list right now. Finishing the ICT, the Great Divide Trail, and the Northern New Mexico Loop. And the Great Divide, is that the Canada version? Uh, like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, no, uh, no interest in the Pacific Northwest Trail? You know... I have heard that the PNT has a lot of road walking. And I I don't know if that's true or not. Snorkel and Naomi are fin- are doing it right now, and I'm going to talk to them about it at the gathering. That one would actually work out great with my schedule, my, my teaching schedule. But I got to say, after hiking in New Zealand and doing so much road walking, I'm really – I'm going to be really careful in the future about that. I'm not interested in doing a ton of road walking. And if a, if a trail does have sections that are road, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hitch them. Cause at this point, um, in my life, I'm not so concerned about being able to say, well, I threw hiked it. I hiked every step because I don't care about hiking on the roads. And so for me, it's more about what's my time worth and what do I want to do with my time? And I just don't want to walk roads anymore. <laughs> so, I mean, Forest service roads, fine. Old Jeep roads, fine. But when you're walking on paved roads or roads of traffic, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. So I did enough of that in New Zealand for a lifetime. So, you know, I don't know. I'll check in with those guys and see what they say. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, if you ever do, um, I could shuttle you. I'm right here. And oh yeah. yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, so maybe sections of the PNT would be great, you know? I think it would be, yeah. But uh, those other trails you mentioned sound awesome. Um, the you said the New Mexico was that what you said? Yeah, the, the northern New Mexico loop. Did you guys cover that? Yes, um, we had not a chance on, and that must have been last year. It starts and ends in uh, New Mexico in uh, Santa Fe, and it's in the northern part of New Mexico. Obviously, that's why it's called that. So the northern part of New Mexico is not hot like the rest southern part of New Mexico. And you can actually hike that trail in June and then probably late August and September um, because you're actually going up probably into the 8,000 feet range and such. It's kind of the southern part of the Colorado mountains, honestly. So it lends itself to a little more flexibility with schedule. Oh, that's good. Well, uh, I also wanted to kind of talk, was it your idea or Disco's or both you guys kind of come up with the idea to adopt a section of the trail? And where is that? Uh, That was Disco's idea. Um, That section of trail is between Twin Lakes and basically Buena Vista, but a little farther north, uh, Clear Creek Reservoir. And so it's part of the Colorado Trail where the Colorado Trail splits into two parallel uh, trails. And so one is the collegiate East and one is the collegiate West. 
the Collegiate West is along the CDT and it's higher up and the Collegiate East is a bit lower, uh, quite a bit lower actually. And the section that we have is on the Collegiate East between Twin Lakes and the Clear Creek Reservoir. And I don't know how long it is in totality. I want to say not that long, like maybe five miles or so. But um, that was kind of Disco's idea. We've been doing uh, trail work with a friend for about 10 years, one day a year. They've been maintaining this one section in memory of a climbing partner that died, and they've been maintaining it for 30 years. And we went with them every year. And then I started doing trail maintenance in Idaho. And so the the Colorado Trail Foundation hired this new guy who's in charge of the the trail main adopted trail program and a lot of the trail maintenance uh, coordination. And he lives here in Salida. And so we've gotten to know him a little bit. And, and he asked us about or asked Disco, I think, about possibly maintaining a section. And, you know, Disco's a forester, too. So um, it seemed like a good fit. We're both hikers. So, you know, we adopted it and yeah. it's been, we, we've done trail work out there. I think three different weekends in June, we went out there and cleared a couple of big trees by ourselves. It was pretty impressive, nice. but anyway, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah. I, I really support that a lot. I, I like that. I mean, that's uh, something I'm passionate about myself and, um, I just was really glad to hear that you guys did that and spreading the word to other hikers. Yeah, I, once we get things in order, I mean, it's a pretty well-maintained section, but there's a lot of, like, sage crap stuff that we need to work on. Once we get it all in tip-top shape and then we can go back and just do some little bit of maintenance every year, I'd like to build in some some little, like, you know, stone chairs and, you know, funny stuff like that along the way just to, as a little added bonus for the hikers, you know. That'd be good, yeah. Now, because yeah. you started out um, helping somebody else on their section, do you guys have people go out with you? Yes, we did. Uh, one of the days that we went out, we had um, Twinkle and Mags and Twinkle's wife, Grace, and his sister. Um, we all went out one day together. And oh, I think MacGyver was there too, but I don't remember. And then he and I have done a lot by ourselves, but Disco is part of a co-work space here in Salida, and I think they're going to organize a trail maintenance day in the spring where they go out and do a part of it together. Um, but yeah, that's our hope is to get other people involved. And it's, it's fun. It's fun. If you have a crew of people and you just go do, you, you know, do trail work for like eight hours, you come back to camp and party and you know, that's a good time. Right on. Well, uh, was there anything you wanted to get out there to the, uh, Cascade Hiker Podcast Nation that I didn't ask you? You know, I, I can't think of anything right now. Um, you know, perhaps uh, if you're listening and you're fortunate enough to be able to get outside and enjoy the outdoors, uh, maybe consider those folks who have been impacted, highly impacted by these most recent hurricanes and maybe give a donation to Red Cross or something to help out these folks who have had their lives um, destroyed because they're not going to be getting out on any weekend hikes anytime soon. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, there's also a lot of displaced people with some forest fires and I think some of that's yeah, calming down right. now. But, um, and then also, so how do people get a hold of you? Uh, trailshow.com? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm POD at the trailshow.com. Okay. And then you have a, a Instagram? I do. Um, I think my Instagram is Felicia L. Aramosio. But uh, let me just check that because I this is how savvy I am, you know. 
<laughs> I think disco usually says it for you on the show. Yeah. We've got <laughs> we don't even say anymore. We're just like, you know where to find us. Right. Well, and then... Uh, yes, it's Felicia. Felicia. Okay, cool. And I'll put a link in the show notes. What? Uh, and also, I kind of wanted to bring up, too, I want to say thank you so much for uh, my beer koozie, the Trail Show beer koozie. Oh, thank you for your support. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, But what I don't see on your website is a place that people can buy stickers and koozies. No, you can't buy them. They're not for sale. It's donation only. Oh, okay. Well, cool. Uh, right on. Well, hey, thanks so much for coming on the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. Bye, Felicia. Okay, that's the show. Thanks a lot for listening to the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Send me an email, Rudy at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I love the feedback. Also, hit me up on Facebook, North Cascade Hikers, my Facebook page, Twitter, capital N underscore, capital C for Cascade Hiking, N underscore Cascade Hiking on Twitter. And Instagram is North Cascade underscore hiker. So pretty uh, simple to find me on social media there. You can also just leave a comment under the show. So I try to give you plenty of ways to get a hold of me. Do so. I want to hear from you. Thanks again for listening to the Cascade Hiker Podcast. I would leave this world for a beautiful girl.